You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We're in a series entitled, A Fresh Start. Deuteronomy chapter number two. I told our, told our folks on Wednesday night of how encouraged I, I am by the, by the faith of the Kumars to go to another city now. And uh, he said something at the 10 o'clock hour uh, that uh, just really resonated with me. He was saying that, that they have a great God. Great faith lies in a great God. And uh, God will go with them as they make this journey in about 10 days or so, nine days. And every step of the way, these two decades has been with him. And he's going to continue to be with them, and, but challenged by the great faith to, to go to a new area, meet new people, start all over again. And, um, and I said that on Wednesday night, and I want to say that again here uh, this morning. And um, thank you for uh, the encouragement and the display of, uh, of faith. It's Deuteronomy chapter number two. We started a brand new series last week uh, entitled A Fresh Start, and I'm thankful for how God began to... Uh, began to use that. I was so encouraged by uh, many of you throughout the week uh, sharing with me how how God used uh, the message. And uh, it's not a verse by verse study through the book. There are over thirty chapters, so we'd be in uh, this book for a couple years with the way you know that I like to preach. So uh, what we're doing is we're kind of just doing a cursory look of the book and gleaning uh, truth from it. And uh, I'm excited to uh, bring the second message in, uh, in this series. And the title of the message is this, Change the Future by Owning the Past. You and I, we can change the future by owning the past. You've got to remember what the book of Deuteronomy is. The book of Deuteronomy is um, Moses' kind of last words to the children of Israel, about a 70-day period. We went through all the, the history of that last week. And uh, he's challenging these actually young in as far as how old they would get in Bible days, uh, people that are of a, uh, of a young generation. And for the sake of just springboard text this morning, let's look at just number verse 14, and we will go over a lot of different uh, verses in, this, uh, in these chapters. Deuteronomy 2, verse 14, "...in the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we were come over to the brook Zered." was thirty and eight years until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host as the Lord sware unto them. So the book of Deuteronomy, it's a, it's a flashback. It, it, it begins with a flashback. God's people are on the cusp of entering into uh, the promised land. And Moses says, hey, the, it, it's time to go. It's time to get everybody. It's time to get everybody ready. When you begin in uh, chapter number one, kind of the the history that we looked at last week, and Moses is going back forty years, and he tells the story of how the people began to rebel against God, and the people of God they refused to trust Him. Instead of entering into the promised land, they wandered in the desert uh, for forty years, and if you remember. The journey should have taken 
about 11 days. Remember that from last week? If you weren't here, I'd encourage you, these messages will be up on the website to just stay along so that way the book of Deuteronomy uh, makes sense for you. But it was a journey of about 11 days that took these men and women 40 years to, to get there. And it says in verse 14 again, until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the hosts as the Lord swore unto them. And so let's assume, as we did last week, there's, uh, there's different thinking on that fighting age would have been anywhere from the age of 13 to 18, okay? But we kind of went into the middle, and we said 15, all right? So everybody that is of fighting age would have been around the age of 15. So if everyone over the age of 15 is dead after 40 years, then nobody that's over 55... Again, 15 being our number that we're going to use for this morning's message in this series, then nobody over the age of 55 would be alive apart from Moses and, uh, and, and um, Caleb and so forth. But I want you to think about what that means. I know I mentioned it last week. We spent some time on it. But I want you to, I want you to ponder it again this morning. No one over the age of 55. That means everyone over the age of 15 at the time of the Exodus was dead. After 40 years, the 15-year-olds, or those that would have been just under maybe war age, they'd be now 55 years old, and they would be the oldest people in the camp. All of the adults who came out of Egypt in Exodus, they died in the desert, right? We learned that last week. None of them entered into the promised land. None of them were able to cross the Jordan River into the land that God had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so on and so forth. So everyone over 15 at that time, they're now dead. Children that were under the age of 15 at the time of the Exodus is now from the ages of 40 to 55. Okay, over 55 you're now dead, sorry, okay? If you were 55 and younger, if you were a child during the Exodus when the great miracles that God used Moses to bring about and then the parting of the Red Sea out of the hand of Egypt and out of the hand of Pharaoh, if you were under the age 15, you'd be somewhere now between 40 and 55. Imagine a nation where the oldest people in the community were just 55 years old. Okay, they all were children when God came down to Mount Horeb, or also known as Mount Sinai. They were just children when their parents decided to not have faith and to go into the promised land. And so they were just, they were just young people. They would have been 15 years or younger. 40 years ago was 1978. Do any of you have any vivid things that happened in 1978? Can, it, can any of you? you? You got a few things that you can remember? Seriously? I, I wasn't born yet, so I, I, don't, I don't have any of those. All right? But hey, 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 Bay Area people, I'm not trying to say you were old if you were born then, okay? Don't go too far with that, all right? But hey, Bay Area people, this is, this is going to sting a little bit, all right? The average home price was $54,000. Okay, in 1978. You know what the average rent was around the country? You ready for this? Buckle your seatbelt. I'm praying for this this week for some of you. $260 a month. Okay? 
We had the first women astronauts in 1970. All the ladies said? That's cool. Garfield was put into print for the first time in 1978. Um, VW, or also known as slug bugs in the Johnson family, you know, when you see a slug bug, depending on what year, you get to hit them. If it's a, you know, if it's a bus, you get to hit them three times. And, you know, I mean, we just have an aggressive family. But slug bugs, or VWs, decided they weren't going to make any more. Now, obviously, they've made more since then. But in 1970, 1978, they said, we are done with that. And then, for those of you that like these types of movies, and the movie Grease. How many of you are fans of Grease? That came out in 1978. But those who were born in their, uh, the, the, that were now in their 40s and 50s, probably had only vague memories of the events of the Exodus. I mean, certainly there were miraculous things that took place, but they would have been 15 years and younger. And so the vast majority of the people are under the age of 40. These folks would have all been born in the desert. This was a young nation with no one over 60 years of age except for Moses and Caleb and Joshua. Since Moses would have been over 100 years old at this time, the next oldest guy amongst, except for Caleb and Joshua, would have been about, again, war age, about 55 years old. Talk about a generation gap. Their leader is this old guy, okay? You're over 100. No one is in here, okay? Okay, we've got a couple 90-year-olds, or plus 90. It's awesome. Massive generation gap. Now, last week we did this, but I want to make sure that we get this picture again. And so, I'm only going to have one group stand here this morning because I embarrassed too many of you last week, and I don't want to do that. If you are 40 years and old and younger, okay, if you're older than that, I'm sorry, 40 years old and younger, would you please stand? Come on, come on. No, it feels like kindergarten. 40 years old and younger, would you please stand? Okay. Uh, we got some in the back there that aren't standing. No, I'm just kidding. 40 years old and younger, you may be, you may be seated. You had been born in the desert. Okay? Remember what we said last week? You wouldn't have known what M- Moses says, hey, we're getting ready to go live in houses. And we're like, yeah, what are houses? All we've ever lived in is under canvas. You know, I like canvas. I like the old way. I like what we've always done. Remember the thing that kind of got a little tense last week, right? That's all we would have known. Hey, hey, we're going we're gonna to build um, farms and we're going to grow crops. And we're like, no, 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 I want God just to give me manna every day. Remember last week we talked about that? How God every, every day would give them manna, just literally would fall from heaven or would appear by the morning time frame. Okay, and so when you were, so to speak, those of you that just stood, you wouldn't even have been a twinkle in your parents' eye yet when they decided that it was too dangerous to go into the promised land or the New Testament way of defining that into the victorious Christian life. They, ah, it's too dangerous to do that. Ah, we can't take those steps. You know, we can't take that risk. We can't, we can't go that route. My, you know, my, my, my mom and dad never did that, and so, so we can't do that. And so, but you wouldn't have been born then. You would have been maybe dreamed of. You may have been prayed for, but you would have been born in the desert. And if you're between the ages of 40 and 55, you would have been there at Mount Sinai. You'd have been given the Ten Commandments. You'd have been given that communion from God. But honestly, you were very young. 
It really wouldn't have had a lot of ramifications for you. It would have been more for your parents, and that would have been filtered down to you, of course. When your parents decided not to go into Canaan, guess what? You didn't get a vote. It was mom and dad. They just decided, you know what? I don't have the faith. I'm not going to go. And so then you reaped the consequences of that, and you were young, but you were able to live, and you wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. And those of you, we said this last week, that are over 55 or over that threshold of where they would have been able to go to war, uh, praise God you're living today, right? Because you wouldn't have been living back then. You all would have died in the wilderness. And so Moses says in chapter 1, verse 6, like we looked at last week, the Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this point. He's talking about something that happened 40 years earlier when most of the people that were not even born yet or had very little memories, they were a little too young to remember, that's who, that's who Moses is getting ready to spend 70 days or so from that November 11th time frame until January. Like We, we looked at that. Okay, using our calendar, which wouldn't have been identical to theirs, but it's about a 70-day period. Moses is preparing these people for a fresh start. And he takes them all the way back to 40 years earlier to a people that really probably don't remember much, nor were they even there. And look at what Moses says. Moses says something very, very strange to them. Look at verse 26. Notwithstanding, this is Deuteronomy 1, notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us. And then verse 32 of the same chapter, Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. Why in the world would, would Moses be, would, would be telling them? I'll be honest with you, if, if, I, if, if I was there, I'd have been like one of those people like, hey, hey, hey Moses, I got a question. Why are, you, why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me that, again, I'm 40 and under, so I wouldn't even have been there at this time. Why, why, why are you telling me that I didn't believe? Why are you telling me that I complained? Why are you accusing me of something where I was way too young, if you're 40 to 55, I was way too young to even be able to participate in this, or I wasn't the one that was complaining. I wasn't the one that refused to go. Moses, it was my parents. I wasn't born yet. Why are you accusing me of this? So why was Moses saying this? Is he blaming the children for the sins of their parents? Of course not. He's teaching the children, you heard what I'm about to say, to learn from their parents. Moses was saying, the things that were in your parents, the things that were in your parents, those are also in you. The natural tendencies that are in your parents, those also lie in your heart. The, 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 um, the temptations that your parents struggled with are temptations that you also are going to struggle with. 
you will have to gain victory in areas where mom and dad might have, well, we know in this text, did not gain victory. What defeated them is ultimately going to be able to overcome you unless you're able to overcome what is before you. Hence why I entitled the message, Change the Future by Owning the Past. So what is the past that they had to own? Or what is the past that, by way of application for you and I this morning with this series, what is it that we have to own? Well, it is that in these people, what is it in these people and in these parents by nature that you and I must overcome as well? And what I'd like for us to do is I'd like to just take a little bit of a journey through the Scripture here. First of all, we need to be able to overcome the impulse to rebel against God. The impulse to rebel against God. Here's what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do here this morning. Allow me to step hardly on some toes a little bit, and then I promise you I'll rescue you with Jesus later. Okay? All right? The impulse to rebel against God. It says in our text of, uh, of Deuteronomy 1, verse 26, Notwithstanding, ye would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. What this means is, is that the effect, in, the effect of sin in us goes deeper than just a few sins. It goes deeper than just maybe some mistakes or a, you know, uh, maybe a habitual sin that you have in your life or, oops, I shouldn't have said that or, oops, I shouldn't have gone there or I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have done this. It, it, goes, it goes beyond that. In my flesh, hear me, in my flesh, I resent God. In my flesh, okay? In my flesh, I resent His authority over my life. I often want to assert my independence over God. Is that okay if I share that with you? Oftentimes we, uh, you know, you, sometimes we want, you know, the preacher to be that perfect one. No, 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 no. I can relate with these texts, Okay, that, that Moses is displaying before these uh, 55 and younger, so to speak. Oftentimes, I want to be my own Savior. Oftentimes, I want to I be my own Lord. I want to I dictate uh, what happens in my life, and I want to eliminate what I don't think should be brought into my life. Uh, Brother Kumar was sharing a few things that through God's sovereign plan was allowed into his life, allowed into his family's life. And he was this side of it. I mean, I don't know if it's always in the middle of it, but on this side of it, he can say, glory to God. It's what he used to, to bring about. But listen, oftentimes, you know what I want to do? No, God, I know better. I don't want to go that route. I don't want to do this. I don't want you to, to allow this into my life. And so guess what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to step over Jordan. I'm not going to become a man or woman that is simply not just of faith, but of mission. Instead, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to hold back here. Why? Because in each of us, if we're honest, there's a little bit of, no, I'd rather be God. I'd rather be in control. Here's what, here's what I would do. We okay? All right, let's go on to the next one here. The impulse to treat God with disrespect. The impulse to treat God with disrespect. You're like, Pastor, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. Just give me like 15 minutes, okay? All right? The impulse to treat God with disrespect. Look at verse 27. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. 
He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us. Let's just read that again real quick here. Look up on the screen there if you're following along. And ye murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. The deliverance from Egypt was this extraordinary, amazing miracle of God's grace. It was just awesome to see if you can read all about it and, and just begin reading book Exodus. You'll, you, you'll, you'll, you'll read these, in, these incidences. And these people are treating God's grace with contempt or they're, or they're being disrespectful to it. And now listen to what I'm about to say. Sin makes us twist and see what God's miraculous deliverance sometimes as plotting against us. I'll be honest with you, this is me when I'm in my flesh. When I'm not living in the fullness of the Spirit, we've been going through that series on Wednesday nights, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, under control of the Spirit. When I am living in the flesh and I'm not living under the power of the Holy Spirit, then guess what? I can hold back praise for God's goodness. I cannot see all the goodness with which God is doing. Instead, I will blame Him for all of the bad experiences. So in other words, I won't be able to see all of the glories and all of the beauty of God working in my life, but instead, you know what I'll do? And, and I do this. I can see myself in this text here of Deuteronomy 1. What I will do is I will find all of the minuscule things that are wrong, and I'll blame God. I'll bring God into my courtroom and I'll put God on trial. I'll begin to think, God, if you, if you, if you really loved me, you wouldn't, have you ever been there? Come on. And have you ever asked those questions? God, if you, if you really cared, listen, this, these are realities that Moses is saying, hey, this was in mommy and daddy. You're getting ready to now cross this Jordan River. You're getting ready to go into the, to the promised land. You're going to have to understand. You're going to have to own that what they had issues with, you also will have issues with, and you will need to overcome those. You will need to conquer those. Oftentimes we'll say, here I am in a desert, and it's all God's fault. In my flesh, I insult God, and I treat the goodness of God with contempt. And so we've got to be careful that we understand that these impulses are in us. Let me give you another impulse. The impulse to blame others. We all right? We Okay. Doing good? To blame others. Well, that's also in the text. Look at verse 28. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Amicans there. Remember the ten were bad and two were good? The twelve spies go over there? And the ten come back. Joshua's report was good. Caleb's report was good. But the other 10, it's like, there are these guys over there. They're so big. The walls are so high. There's no way you can do it. And they discouraged everybody. So the spies come back. And what happens is, is they begin to blame the spies. Well, it's, <laughs> we would go, but, but these guys you sent, they came back with an evil report. By nature, I blame others for my problems. What is wrong is always somebody else's fault. Here I'm about to say, isn't it easy to see the speck of dust in someone else's eye when you've got a beam coming out of your own? How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Thank you. for you appreciate that. Hey, it's easy. I'll be honest with you. My eyes are so good when I'm looking for specks in yours. 
right? But if you understand the context even of what Jesus was teaching that, what he's saying is, is like, you don't really see a speck. The reason why you don't really see a speck in their eye is because you can't see. Your beam is so big, Ryan, that you can't see the problem in their eye. And it's so easy, listen to me, it's so easy to blame others. It's so easy just to blame shift. It's like, well, I would be further along in my Christian life, but, right? We okay? All right? It's like, I'm so glad I came to church. Just give me a couple more minutes. I know I've been saying that, okay? Impulse to blame others. We see that here in our text. Let me give you another one here. The impulse to resist the truth. The impulse to resist the truth. Keep going down through the text. Verse 29. Then I said unto you, dread not... Neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. It's like Moses, he's, he's pleading with the people here. He said, hey, 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 listen. He kind of puts on his prophet hat here a little bit. He's like, no, no, God's going to go before you. God's going to take care of all your problems. Do you remember Egypt? Now, again, many of them probably wouldn't have understood all of it. Many of them would not have been born. They would have only heard stories, okay? And so they wouldn't have been able to experience the power of God. And I I get that. But you're trying to pass that down to the next generation. But he's like, listen, God's already done this for us. It was amazing when he parted the Red Sea. Okay, I I know I'm adding it in there, but that's what Moses is saying, okay? All right? He's going to go before you. He's going to wipe out these people. And actually, God, we know the rest of the story. We can look back, read the book of Joshua. That's exactly what he did. When they had lack of faith, that's when they got you know, demolished, but when they had great faith, God just took care of everything. But Moses, has kind of got this prophet hat on, he's saying, hey, you know, no, God's going to take care of this, just like he took care of you in the wilderness. But it makes no difference. These folks heard the word of, word of the Lord, but it just kind of did one of these things. And every preacher uh, kind of goes, ah, to this. It goes like this, whoop, whoop, okay? The Kumar knows all about that. <laughs> he preaches, and sometimes he's like, are you hearing anything? He's like, no, no, no. God's going to go before you. There's nothing to be afraid of. Verse 32, yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. It's amazing how we can see God work, but we don't really see it. We don't perceive it. And yet Moses is like, hey, listen, no, no, no. God, God's going to do a great work. And that leads us to our final impulse, and we'll get on to some good news. Hallelujah. The impulse to refuse to believe. Back to verse 32 there. Yet, in these things, ye did not believe the Lord your God. I'll be honest with you. In my sin, I'm sometimes suspicious of God. Sometimes I hold back my full devotion to Him. In my flesh, I don't always, I don't always trust Him like I should. Listen to me, God was beside these people in the pillar by fire at night, in the pillar of cloud by day. He was always there. He was feeding them right every single day. And these individuals could have trusted him, but they didn't. I want you to just, I want to say something here this morning. None of us are neutral when it comes to this matter of faith. There are times when I'm antagonistic towards God, and so are you. But there's also times when I have great faith, right? It's like this, it's like this season of where there's times of like, yes, God, you can do this. And then somehow I forget. And then I'm like, oh me, where, where are you, God? 
Where are you in my family? Where are you in this church? Where are you with this couple? And it's just, oh, and it's like we, we, we forget. And there's, there's, this, there's this ebb and flow. I want you to understand that there's an ebb and flow in your life. And Moses was trying to get these people to understand, listen, just because you weren't the ones that didn't come across, you're going to be having some of these same challenges as you get ready. We're going to spend 70 days worth or so kind of training discipleship, and then we're going to cross over that Jordan River. And these same struggles... They're going to also reside in you. So none of us are neutral. There's times when you and I are unwilling to believe. There's times when, when we are willing to just step out in the greatest lengths of faith. And those are awesome times. But I want us also to acknowledge there's times when we're not willing to. Greatly challenged by this couple. Willing to go back. Go to a totally new area. Okay? And so there's, there's an ebb and flow of this. You know what Moses is saying? All of this was in your parents. But I don't want you to think that it doesn't also reside in you. He said this stuff can stop you as well. I don't know about you, but I begin to think about that. I'm thinking, yeah, that's true. This sometimes, this sometimes is my condition. This is who we are. And guess what? It crosses all economic barriers, all skin colors. It crosses everything. This is, this is a struggle that we have. This is what sin does in our lives and listen to me that's why you and i need saving from it that's why we need to trust jesus christ as our savior and listen if you are a believer if you are a born again believer that's why you need the continual rescue of his grace because these things still if we're honest reside in our lives can you see yourself here a lot of times we think of ah this is just some ancient text a bunch of old people actually they're a bunch of young people okay and maybe you're saying here right now, you know, I, I can see some of those things there. I can see where I've rebelled against God. I, I, I can see where I've treated God with disrespect. He'll bless me and I'll curse him with that blessing. I can see where, you know, I've blamed others for what's gone wrong in my life. Hey, how come you didn't go over the Jordan? Because those 10 people, they came back with a scary report blaming others. I, I, I can see myself. I blame others. Well, you know, if my spouse or my kids or my coworker, whatever the case is, and oftentimes we negate our victorious Christian living and we want to blame others. You can say, yeah, you know, I've, yeah, I've been there. I've at times resisted the truth. There's times when I'm sitting and preaching. I'll be honest with you, I'm resisting it. <clears throat> okay, where we resist the truth. I see sometimes where I've refused to believe. And so where's the hope, Ryan? Where's the hope for all this? If everything that kept these people's parents from being able to go into the promised land, well, where's the hope in that they're going to be able to be victorious in it? Well, Moses says something, again, very strange. Again, something very unique in Deuteronomy 5, verse number 2. The Lord God, our, the, the Lord our God, do we no longer have it up there? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't see it in the back there. Please forgive me. The Lord our God made a covenant... With us in Horeb. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Hey, Moses, I know you're over 100 years old. But listen, I wasn't even at Mount Sinai. I wasn't even at Mount Horeb. If I was, I was just like a little wee one running around like throwing rocks. Listen, are you, are you off your rocker? 
You know what Moses is saying? Moses says, hey, now listen, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Yes, you weren't born, or yes, you were very young at the time, but listen to me, God made a covenant with you. He says in verse number three, the very next verse, the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, hear this, even us who are all of us here, what? Alive this day. And so Moses, he says, hey, all of the issues that your, that your parents had, your grandparents had, listen, that's all going to be residing in you as well. And oh, here's the good news. The covenant that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he also made it with you. He also made it with you. God makes a covenant of grace with you this morning, with me. The covenant is that he will redeem sinners like us. Not like them, hear me, not like them, not like those that are outside these walls. Sometimes churches can be the most judgmental places. He redeems sinners like us for himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So this covenant was not written on tables of stone. It is sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to envision with me here this morning. I want you to kind of, they were standing there at Mount Sinai and they're, and they're, 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 they're giving that covenant that God was going to be with them. But I want you to stand with me at another hill this morning. I want you to stand with me at Mount Calvary. And I want, you to, I, I want you to try to envision Mount Calvary. And I want you to try to envision a man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, on that cross. I want you to envision his body being broken and bruised and the blood that is spilling from his body. And I want you, I want you to hear him say this morning, hey, I've made, I've made a covenant with you. My body's been broken for you. My blood has been poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no, there's no merit gained any other way. You and I, we come to Jesus literally empty at the cross and we receive everything that he did for us. We're rejoicing with Stephanie a few weeks ago. She came to that saving knowledge of trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. We rejoice with you. Listen. Has there been a time in your life when you've come to, figuratively in your mind, come to that mountain of Calvary and you've seen Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has your sins been washed away? That is the new covenant that has been given to you and been given to me. And so this morning, listen, this morning you and I, we've got we've to own that by sin we have an issue in our flesh. We've got to own that. I need to be clear that about what I'm up against living this Christian life. We've got we, we to gotta understand that. As long as you and I are trying to tell ourselves that we're good and that, you know, that, that we're good people, we'll never make the progress in the Christian life. I say this to you often. You ought to give a pink slip to the highest paid lawyer in the world. and He's your lawyer in you that says, no, you're great. No, you're awesome. No, no. We've got to own some of the realities that the parents that weren't willing to cross that Jordan River, we've got to own those in our lives as well.
Owning what is in you is where repentance begins and how it continues. But you know what else I want you to own? Remember, we've got to own the past so we can move on to the future for the fresh start. I want you to also to own the grace that is before you. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to be clear about what Jesus has for you in living this Christian life, the, 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 the fruit of Him living inside of you. So many of the other series that we have doctrinally laid before you, faith looks at all of the grace of God and begins to move on, advance into the Christian life. So a generation stands on the verge of Jordan. Which way will they go? Will they follow what has been passed down to them by mom and dad? Or will they receive what is theirs by grace? What about you? Will you follow the impulse of God to hear his word? Or will you follow the impulse of unbelief that is in you? Will you spend your life praising God? Or will you treat him with contempt? Will you own what is in you or will you spend your life, hear me, blaming others? See, it is possible to be a Christian, Christian atheist. In other words, a person who believes in God but lives and acts as if he doesn't exist. Remember these people? Remember last week? They believed God. They were named after God. They, they, they were his people, right? They saw his mighty hand working with him, and yet every single day they saw him provide manna day after day after day. And yet they wouldn't advance. Will you? Will you believe God? Will you believe that he's mighty? It's the Kumar family right here. They believe that God is mighty. And they're willing to leave the creature comforts of everything that you and I would maybe hold dear to. And they'll say, for the gospel's sake. Will you be a man or woman of mission? As we are embarking on this study, I'm going to be bringing about to you missional things. Things of where you're going to be stepping out here on the precipice. Moses is going to be saying, hey, I want you to live in houses. I've always lived in tents. Hey, I want you to, I want you to begin to grow crops. God's always, God's, always given me the, God's always given me the manna. You know what God's going to be saying? He's going to say, hey, I want, you to, I want you to step out. I want you to be a man or woman or family or church of faith. And here's what it's going to come down to. Listen to me, listen to me. I preach this message on purpose before we get into that. Because at those moments, there's going to be this battle inside of you that says, no, there's giants over there. No, 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 God. I've never built brick and mortar. All I've ever known are tents. God, this is all that I've ever known. To where when God says, no, 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 I want you to 
I want you to launch out. I want you to, I want you to cross that Jordan River. Another miracle in that. Literally stops a river and they walk over. Amazing. Into the promised land. Into a life of great mission. So you're just seated there in your faith. I'm glad that you believe. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, make today that day. But Christian, believer, are we living out our lives as if we believe in an amazing God? Listen, as you and I step forward, you step forward with the covenant that was given to them. It's not written in tables of stone. Instead, it's written through the blood of Jesus Christ. He goes before you. You have an angel army before you fighting on your behalf. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get involved with in God moving. And here's what my prayer is. My prayer is is that when we are asked to step out by faith in different measures in the weeks, months to come, especially the second Sunday of January, we have a vision Sunday, that you and I will come to the place where it's like, okay, God, I realize there's going to be this battle. There's going to be this battle, but God, you've promised me that you're going to go before me. God, you've promised me that you're going to protect me. God, you've promised me that you're going to take those walls down. God, you've promised me that you are going to sustain me. It's in Jesus. And my trust is that, that, that literally, that right now, that just to breathe faith into you, so to speak. The Holy Spirit of God would just say, yes, this is truth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you right now to ask God to give you the faith to believe that he can and will do it.